Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. I said I'd do it, and I'm a man of my word. Welcome to the first BitCast of the new decade. This week, I'm going to talk about Luigi's Mansion 3 like I said I was going to last week. Or, as I like to call it, the best Luigi's Mansion game. Yeah, I said it. Going right into it. Luigi's Mansion 3 combines the best of both its predecessors, which I think was the natural course of action. It's kind of a link to the past situation, where the third game takes after the first one a lot more, but keeps some of the bells and whistles from the second game. Actually, now that I think of it, I'm not too familiar with Zelda 2, but it did introduce a lot of things like magic and townspeople and stuff, but anyway... Most people, as far as I recall, preferred the original Luigi's Mansion over Dark Moon, mainly because of the emphasis on exploration. You have just one mansion, but you get to get really familiar with it, seeing new rooms, and it also had a bit of a grimmer atmosphere than the Mario games are known for having. But I actually preferred Dark Moon. The game lasted longer, and... It just had so much character in it, especially from Luigi. The mission structure also allowed the mansions to change over time, and that's another thing. There was more than one mansion. They all had their own themes, so it wasn't just looking at the same decor over and over. And if I could be honest, I felt that the cartoony aesthetics made the game more believable. It actually felt like it took place in the Mario world. Also, uh, Egad's dialogue being peppered with senile insensitivity, it just made it more memorable for me. I like the original Luigi's Mansion, but Dark Moon has more things in it that I like overall, on top of a certain sentimental value. Almost all those positive aspects that I mentioned are here in Luigi's Mansion 3. You stay in the same building, but you also get varied environments, and the game can still be neatly divided for different play sessions. Everyone is pretty cartoony and full of character, but the humanoid ghosts, they still look like people and not just blobs like the boss ghosts did in Dark Moon, and there are more than five of them. While the ghosts look more humanoid this time, it's still very stylized and less New Donk City. The portrait ghost in the first game, they just... It, it just looked weird seeing them, and I, I I get that some people probably like them for that reason, but I don't know. I think this is a better fit. Luigi's Mansion 3 was made by Next Level Games. These are the same people who made Dark Moon, so it's nice to see them evolve their craft and I get the feeling that they took the criticisms of Dark Moon seriously. That's something to be commended in a game developer. Because, you know, a lot of de devs out there, they'll just make the same game, make the same mistakes in all their games. They won't care. So, this was nice. I mentioned that Dark Moon was my favorite between the two, but... Of course, that was dethroned by Luigi's Mansion 3, because I obviously think it's the best one. And it is a little awkward that the second game is the only one with a proper subtitle when you start comparing and contrasting Luigi's Mansions. 
Also a bit awkward that there's no mansion in this game, only a hotel, but uh, whatever. On top of keeping most of the good aspects from the past two installments, I say that Luigi's Mansion 3 also refines them, and really fleshes them out to the best of their abilities. The logical extreme, or conclusion, however you want to phrase it. The only thing that I think is really missing in this game is the ability to spray fire, ice, and water from the original game, but I also feel like that would be a little out of place with everything going on, so I don't really miss it that much. But uh, back to developing past elements. Boss ghosts are back, like I said, and they have a lot more emphasis now. Not all of them are winners, but each one is the boss of a different floor in the hotel. There's more pomp and circumstance to their encounters. In the first game, they were in the first game there were boss ghosts in a lot of the different rooms in the mansions, but the ghost just existed. You walk into a room, oh look, it's the boss ghost, and you figure out how to fight them, and that's it. Like, so many of them follow that structure that you kind of get used to them after a while. It's not, oh boy, here's the next portrait ghost, it's just, oh, okay, here's the next portrait ghost. In this game, a floor's designated boss ghost is introduced in a cinematic, sometimes at the end of the floor, but often at the beginning of the floor, so they can establish themselves as an antagonist for Luigi to deal with in this chapter. They feel a lot more like characters, and not just tougher monsters. What's more, they have a lot more personality than the Luigi's Mansion portrait ghosts. While those ghosts had idiosyncratic weaknesses and obvious hobbies, all they really did was whatever their hobby was, and sometimes they interacted with Luigi. And there really wasn't any personality beyond, I'm a ghost and you're in our territory now, Luigi. Ooh. If it wasn't for nostalgia, I'd probably fail to remember most of the portrait ghosts, well... These ones make a stronger impression. At one point, there's a lifeguard ghost, and he had all the same airs about him as Super Macho Man in the Wii version of Punch-Out, another Next Level Games offering. And once you use Guiji in the fight, you can notice the boss whipping his head back and forth between the two Luigis in a panic, making sure he's fighting the right one. It's little touches like that that really bring the bosses to life, even though they're ghosts. Yeah. So, I mentioned Guiji just a minute ago, or Green Luigi, as I like to call him. They introduced him in the 3DS remake of Luigi's Mansion, but they do it in a way that I don't really care for, by establishing time travel between the first game and Dark Moon, where Egad of the modern era sends Guiji back to help in the first game. It just feels like messing with a perfectly good storyline, even if it's only to justify a multiplayer mode. Though, since EGAD did invent a time machine in Mario & Luigi Partners in Time, I can appreciate the little connection they have there. I always did think that it was a little removed from his discipline in paranormal studies to randomly have a time machine. You know, that's kind of a mad scientist trope that has always bugged me, is how they'll just hop around from discipline to discipline, but 
we're we're getting off track. Anyway, Guigi is just a second Luigi for a friend to control in the 3DS remake, but in Luigi's Mansion 3, Guigi is much more developed as a concept. He shares just as much real estate on the box art as Luigi does, while he's still a body for the second player to control. Guigi is also mandatory in the single player mode too, where Sometimes Luigi will have to deploy Guigi and make use of his different properties to proceed. Those different properties include the fact that he can't touch water, he can't use doorknobs, and he can walk through different gratings and spikes. Apart from that, he's functionally another vacuum or flashlight for when you need an extra one of those. I don't know if this was intended, but Guigi is also a good meat shield or goo shield, I guess, for enemy attacks. You can let him take a whooping and learn the enemy's fighting style. Guigi will be defeated and sent back to your vacuum, but you can redeploy him at no cost. While it took some getting used to, Guigi's presence really does invite a lot more depth to the puzzle design. The hotel's third floor, I think. It's a closed-up shopping mall and it's perfectly designed for applying everything they taught you about Guigi in the tutorial a couple minutes ago, and if none of it had sunk in at all, this place will really make sure you learn the ins and outs of controlling Guigi. Very smartly designed. It's probably the most emphasis Guigi will ever get all at once in this game, but he is used regularly throughout the rest of the game, so, once you're used to using him, he's never far from your mind. The game takes place in The Last Resort, a glamorous hotel where Luigi, Mario, Peach, and a few Toads, and Professor Egad, have all been invited to stay. First of all, darn it, I was saving that pun for one of my writing projects. Oh well. Anyway, I mentioned before that the game keeps varied set pieces like Dark Moon had. This isn't just a hotel, it's a resort. It's got all kinds of fun places, and it just gets wackier as the game goes on. The first floors all make sense for a hotel. You get your usual things like some hotel suites, a kitchen, a shop area, all that kind of stuff. But then you get into really weird things like the movie production place. Studio! that That's the word. Uh, then you also get things like the Egyptian tomb, a medieval castle, the pirate cave, and... Well, I could just list all the other places, like in the old Gaming in the Clinton years for Earthbound, but those are probably the biggest offenders. Some of these locations really start to test my suspension of disbelief. Just the fact that they're all expected to fit in the same hotel. Some of these are obviously bigger than one floor, but the game still treats them all as one floor. Still, I won't complain too badly because it beats looking at the same mansion for an entire game. Even in Dark Moon, the different environments stuck around for a while before throwing you to a new mansion. Here, it's just one new aesthetic after another. 
None of them really overstay their welcome, though I'll admit that a few of them do come a little close. A smaller touch is Polterpup. While I didn't mind the Polterpup in Dark Moon, there's no denying that it, it, it there's no denying that it existed mainly to pad out the game's playtime. While it would revive you if you had a golden bone, it would often appear at the end of a mission with whatever object you just found. It would also often appear at the end of a mission to steal whatever object you just found. Then the next mission is dedicated to chasing the Polterpup and getting that MacGuffin back. In this game, Polterpup is fully on Luigi's side. It does nothing but help him. Most of that is for plot reasons, since the ghost went berserk in Dark Moon, and that included Polterpup, so he was always a good dog. Now, now he can be a good dog, again. While Polterpup doesn't stretch the game anymore, that is now the Polter Kitty's job. Sometimes you're about to go to the next floor and, oops, the Polter Kitty stole your elevator button. And it starts running around a few consecutive floors every time you corner it. This is also padding, but I think it's executed well. Polter Kitty is established to be an antagonist. It's the pet of the evil hotel owner. In Dark Moon, Polterpup might have gone berserk, but he never acted like anything but a playful dog. He never intentionally harmed Luigi, and he wasn't in league with King Boo. Here, Polter Kitty is known to be out to get Luigi, so everything it does feels less like, ah shucks, we need to fill out the time, and more like a story event, an encounter between Luigi and the antagonist. Later in the game, when Luigi does confront the hotel manager, who's working for King Boo, by the way, in, in case you're not familiar with the game and confused with King Boo and a manager. But uh, when Luigi confronts her, she mentions that he defeated her polter kitty among all the different things he did. So it does play into the story. What's more is that the polter kitty actually has a mid-boss fight attached to it. So there's already more spectacle for catching this thing compared to just, whoop, gotta catch the polter pup now. It also helps that partway through the cat's life meter, it will retreat to a different floor in the hotel. Usually, or always a consecutive floor, at least. So we'll go back to past floors, and you continue the fight there, and along the way, you'll deal with hazards that weren't always there before. Which leads me into another detail about the game that I really like. The last resort is probably the most dangerous of the haunted buildings Luigi's explored, in the first game, the mansion gradually becomes safer as the lights turn on and no more ghosts show up. It's similar in the second game, and even then, the ghosts are usually friendlier than they are during the storyline. But the last resort is not like the others. Even when you go back to a floor you've cleared, there's a good chance you'll run into some new ghosts. Now, this is probably so that they can keep dropping money so you can have enough coins to use the in-game store because the money system is handled a little differently in this game, so they don't want enemies and money to be a finite resource. But it still means that a floor won't be safe just because Luigi beat the boss. This is demonstrated in a mandatory sequence as early as, well, uh, once you beat the chef ghost early in the game, 
because the storyline on this floor continues for a while after he's defeated, even introducing a new type of regular ghost in the process. There will always be more ghosts ready to attack Luigi. While he's usually safe in the elevator, there actually is one time in the game where ghosts will ambush him in the elevator. They're pretty weak, but you're used to the elevator being a safe space. If it can happen to Luigi once, who's to say it won't happen again? There's also a late-game quest where you have to rescue a toad from one of the floors you've already cleared. The entire way back, you have to deal with some stronger ghosts, even in the hallway right outside the lab, which should be the safest floor in the game. But like I said, the last resort is not a safe space. One criticism I've seen of the Luigi's Mansion games is that they're a little repetitive in terms of plot. Oh, Luigi's in a haunted house again. Oh, King Boo's trapping Mario in a painting again. Oh, I'm proving how Midwestern I am by saying oh. It does a lot to take away from the novelty of the original Luigi's Mansion if they just keep repeating themselves like this, but I don't mind it too much. For one thing, it's still different from a usual Mario game, and having this be an occasional thing that keeps happening to the brothers just means that Luigi gets to have a specialty compared to Mario, and he gets to have his own nemesis. And it's fun to see King Boo getting more and more vengeful of Luigi as time goes on. You could attribute this to different writers, but I like to see it as King Boo jumping off the deep end. He's hated the Mario Brothers for beating up his henchmen in the different games, yeah. But after Luigi beat him in the first Mansion game, that put Luigi at the top of King Boo's hit list. Go to their encounter in Dark Moon and look much, look at how much more spiteful King Boo is when he's talking to Luigi. This even carries over into the third game. King Boo's fighting style and his evil plans, they all become respectively more desperate and more hateful with each game. I really felt like this was the last resort for King Boo. I'm not sure if I really wanted that to be a pun or not. Also, I appreciate that this game doesn't waste our time with King Boo. Dark Moon tried to go for dramatic irony where the player knew about King Boo before Luigi did, and that was just kind of lame. They cut to the chase with this one, at least once the hotel actually reveals its true nature, anyway. An underrated thing about this game that I'd also like to mention is Mario himself. He's not around for a lot of the game, but when he is, it's so great to see the differences between him and Luigi. The people at Next Level Games, they really know how to give personality to the characters they work with. For years, Mario has just been accused of being a blank slate everyman, and uh, I mean, you might still think he's got that here, but... I, I feel like he's actually got some personality for once. It's really nice to see. If I wanted to talk about new things in the game, I'd have to say that I really enjoy the battle system. The whole shoot a plunger and suck it back to swing things around. It's a bit awkward at first. I was never too comfortable with it, but it does add more layers to the boss fights and to the puzzle solving. But by far, my favorite element of ghost fighting is slamming the ghosts. Highly advertised feature, and it adds so much character to the fight scenes, keeping them really lively. I'm really talking about adding character to things today.
For all the emphasis these games have on ghostbusting, they've been predominantly defensive affairs. Luigi is constantly draining a ghost's health, but he usually has no leverage other than that. He usually just has to endure until the boss's until the enemy's health depletes. In the first game, he could spray elements, but that was pretty slow, and it used up his elemental reserve, and he had to have elements in the first place. In Dark Moon, he could give a little zap if you upgraded his vacuum, but that's not really doing a whole lot. The slamming maneuver will eat entire chunks of ghost health, and it just looks cool. On top of that, it can be used directionally, if there's another ghost, or even a group of them bunched up in a certain spot, you can slam your current victim into them, and it'll take off swaths of all their health, too. And for ghosts that are holding props that make it harder to suck them up and stuff, knocking another ghost into them will bypass that part of the process entirely, make it much easier to fight them. A slam just saves you so much trouble in group fights combat in this game is the best that the Luigi's Mansion series has ever seen. So, in summary, Luigi's Mansion 3 is the best one. Fight me. It didn't quite stick the landing, though, because I hated the final boss fight, and I only won due to dumb luck. But now that I know what to expect, it probably wouldn't be too bad if I ever revisited the game. I won't pretend the game is flawless, there are definitely some annoyances. I think the enemy variety is lacking, the escort mission at, at the, like, about three-fourths of the game doesn't really amount to much. The later floors were obviously rushed, and don't get me started on controlling the duck inner tubes. But I can live with all of those, the good outweighs the bad. If you were on the fence about Luigi's Mansion 3, hopefully this has given you more to think about, because I don't really have anything else to say about the game. So with that, I hope to see you next time. Follow the BitCast on Twitter so you'll know when next time is, and have a good day, I guess. Or night. I don't know when you're listening to this. I'm not your mom. Listen to BitCast anytime on podcast1.com and on the Podcast One app.